Hello and welcome to Sese Say So. This is a biology revision podcast aimed to help you with your GCSE biology revision. And in this episode, we will be looking at the topic of classification and the variety of life. So by the end of this episode, you should be able to describe the characteristics of all living organisms, outline the differences between prokaryotic and eukaryotic organisms, outline the five kingdoms and describe the features of organisms in each kingdom, and describe what a pathogen is and give examples. So without further ado, let's get into it. So in the last episode, we learned that organisms can be unicellular, which means they consist of one cell, or multicellular, which means they consist of many cells. Regardless of this, all living organisms display eight characteristics. You may know these as Mrs. C. Nerd. Movement, respiration, sensitivity, control, nutrition, excretion, reproduction, and growth. We will now look at these characteristics in a bit more detail. M stands for movement. All living organisms display movement from the first steps of a baby to the turning of a plant towards the sun. In biology, we define movement as a change in position or place by the action of an organism or part of an organism. R stands for respiration. All living organisms respire as they need energy to carry out processes, such as absorption of mineral ions from the soil in plants and muscle contractions for movement in animals. Respiration is not to be confused with breathing. I repeat, respiration is not to be confused with breathing. Respiration is a chemical process, whereas breathing is a mechanical process. In biology, we define respiration as a chemical process that breaks down nutrient molecules in living cells to release energy. The S stands for sensitivity. All living organisms display sensitivity. For example, animals detecting danger and running away. In biology, we define sensitivity as the ability to detect or sense a change in the environment, known as a stimuli, and then to make response. C stands for control. All living organisms have the ability to carry out a process called homeostasis. This controls their internal environment. In biology, we define control as maintaining factors such as temperature, water, glucose within a narrow range inside the organisms. N stands for nutrition. Living organisms display different types of nutrition, from autotrophs, who make their own food, to heterotrophs, that have to go out and find their food. In biology, we define nutrition as a taking in of nutrients or energy for growth, absorption and assimilation. E stands for excretion. Now, excretion can easily be confused for egestion. Egestion is the removal of undigested food, also known as feces. However, with excretion, this is removal of waste products. Living organisms have to get rid of waste products or it will have detrimental effects. In biology, we define excretion as the removal of toxic materials, 
waste products of metabolism and substances in excess of requirements from organisms. R stands for reproduction. Living organisms will either carry out sexual reproduction, which includes diffusion of gametes to create an offspring, or asexual reproduction, which is the production of an offspring from one parent. In biology, we define reproduction as the process that make more of the same kind of organism. And then finally, G stands for growth. All living organisms grow from unicellular yeast cells increasing in size to animals developing from a child to an adult. In biology, we define growth as a permanent increase in size and dry mass by an increase in cell number or cell size or both. Okay, well now it's time for the first pit stop. In this pit stop, you will hear a brief description of Miss Sese's morning routine. I would like you to identify any of the eight characteristics being displayed. So here is the description. I am woken up in the morning by my alarm clock and then I get out of bed. After brushing my teeth and having a quick shower, I sit down to eat my breakfast. After my breakfast, I feel a surge of energy and I am now ready to start my day. Okay, well, pause the podcast, say out the answer aloud, tell it to your friend, tell it to your mum, tell it to your dad, and we will be back with the answers in three, two, and one. Okay, so I just read out a um, description of my morning routine, and I wanted you to identify any of the characteristics that were being displayed in that morning routine. So I'll read out the morning routine again. I am woken up by my alarm clock in the morning and then I get out of bed. After brushing my teeth and having a quick shower, I sit down to eat my breakfast. After my breakfast, I feel a surge of energy and I am now ready to start my day. Okay, so the following characteristics that were being displayed in that description were sensitivity. So by hearing my alarm, responding to it and waking up, That is an act of sensitivity. Then the next characteristic being displayed is movement. So I get out of bed and brushing my teeth. The next characteristic is nutrition. I sat down to eat my breakfast, so I was taking in nutrients. And then the final characteristic is respiration because I state that I feel a surge of energy. So that means the food that I ate has been broken down and it's releasing energy. If you identify those characteristics, well done. And now it's time to move into the second section. As mentioned in the previous episode, cells are the basic functional subunit of all living organisms. They also play a massive role in the classification of organisms. There are two main types of cells, prokaryotic cells and eukaryotic cells. So they're quite big fancy words, so I'll repeat those again. Prokaryotic cells and eukaryotic cells. If an organism consists of eukaryotic cells, that organism is described as a eukaryote. So, for example, plants and animals are eukaryotes. If an organism consists of a prokaryotic cell, that organism is described as a prokaryote. So an example of that is bacteria. 
So what are the differences between prokaryotic organisms and eukaryotic organisms? There is a difference between prokaryotic cells and eukaryotic cells. So for example, eukaryotic cells contain a nucleus and prokaryotic cells do not. Instead, in prokaryotic cells, their DNA lies freely in the cytoplasm. A second difference is eukaryotic cells contain membrane-bound organelles. So these are organelles which are surrounded by a membrane. And examples of those are mitochondria and chloroplasts. In prokaryotic cells, they do not have these membrane-bound organelles. All organisms can be grouped into what we call five kingdoms. These are animals, plants, fungi, protoctists and prokaryotes. Organisms that belong to kingdoms, animals, plants, fungi and protoctists are all examples of eukaryotes. So for example, their cells will contain a nucleus and membrane-bound organelles. Whereas organisms that belong to the kingdom of prokaryotes, well, you guessed it, they're all examples of prokaryotes. So let's dive a bit deeper into these five kingdoms and look at the characteristics that organisms in each of these kingdoms possess. So let's start off with animals. These organisms are multicellular, which means they are made up of many cells. With regards to their nutrition, they are called heterotrophs. This means they have to go out and find their food. They contain organ systems, for example, the nervous system, respiratory system and circulatory system. They also store their carbohydrates in the form of glycogen. So when they need glucose for respiration, they will get this from the breakdown of glycogen. Plants are second kingdom. Organisms in this kingdom are also multicellular. However, with regards to their nutrition, they are called autotrophs. This means they are able to produce their own food, and they do this by a process called photosynthesis. In plants, their cells contain cell walls made up of cellulose, which helps to maintain its structure. They store their carbohydrates in the form of starch. So similarly, when they need to carry out respiration, they will break down that starch to release glucose, which can be broken down to release energy. The third kingdom is fungi. Organisms within this kingdom can either be unicellular or multicellular. Multicellular fungi have bodies called mycelium. These are made up of hyphae. With regards to their nutrition, fungi are described as saphotrophs. They release extracellular enzymes that break down their food externally and then they absorb the nutrients. Their cells also contain a cell wall. However, it is made up of a molecule called chitin. And then, similar to animals, fungi store their carbohydrates in the form of glycogen which can be broken down to glucose, so when respiration is needed to carry out, they will break that glucose to release energy. The fourth kingdom, protoctists, organisms that belong to this kingdom are unicellular. Organisms within this kingdom display features that are similar to organisms in the animal kingdom and also similar to organisms in the plant kingdom. For example, protoctists, some of them contain chloroplasts like plant cells, which means they are able to make their own food, so making them autotrophs. 
Protoxys are microscopic, so they tend to be very small organisms. The fifth kingdom, prokaryotes, is also referred to as bacteria. Organisms within this kingdom are unicellular, and organisms within this kingdom display a different type of nutrition. So for example, they can feed off other bacteria. As cells, they do contain a cell wall. However, this time the cell wall contains a molecule called murin. Okay, well now it's time for our second pit stop. In this pit stop, I'm going to give you descriptions of hypothetical organisms. Based on the descriptions, you have to decide what kingdom each of these organisms belong to. So the first description, this organism is unicellular with a cell wall made up of murin. So then what kingdom does it belong to? Next one, this organism feeds off dead material by secreting extracellular enzymes to absorb the nutrients. Again, what kingdom does this organism belong to? The next organism stores its carbohydrates in the form of glycogen and its cells do not contain a cell wall. What kingdom does this organism belong to? The next description, this organism is structurally similar to both animals and plants. What kingdom could this organism belong to? And then the final description, this organism stores its carbohydrates in the form of starch and contains a cell wall made of cellulose. Okay, well, pause the podcast, say the answer out to your mum, say the answer out to your dad, or just say it out loud to yourself, okay? And then we're going to go over the answers in three, two and one. Okay, so I gave you descriptions of hypothetical organisms and based on the descriptions you have to identify what kingdom each of those organisms would belong to. So the first one was it was unicellular with a cell wall made up of murin. So therefore this organism will belong to the kingdom of prokaryotes. The second description, this organism feeds off dead materials by secreting extracellular enzymes to absorb nutrients. So this organism would belong to the kingdom of fungi. Third description, this organism stores carbohydrates in the form of glycogen and its cells do not contain a cell wall. So therefore this organism belongs to the kingdom of animals. Fourth description, this organism is structurally similar to both animals and plants. Therefore, this organism will belong to the kingdom of protoxists. And then the final description, this organism stores its carbohydrates in the form of starch and its cells contain a cell wall made up of the molecule cellulose. So this organism belongs to the kingdom of plants. Okay, well, if you got those answers right, great job. And now we're going to move into the third section. The majority of the organisms within these five kingdoms do not pose a threat to us. However, we can refer to a special group of microorganisms that can cause harm, and these are known as pathogens. So the biological definition for pathogen is a microorganism that can cause a disease. Some organisms that belong to prokaryotes, protoctis, and fungi are also pathogens. 
E. coli is an example of a prokaryote that can cause food poisoning. Plasmodium is an example of a protoctist that can cause malaria. Candidiasis is an example of a fungi that can cause yeast infections. Viruses are also pathogens, for example, HIV and influenza. However, we do not classify viruses as living organisms. Firstly, they are structurally different. They do not contain a nucleus. They are surrounded by a protein coat rather than a cell membrane. Secondly, viruses do not move, respire, grow. They can only reproduce when they're taking over a host cell. So viruses do not display the characteristics of living organisms, so therefore cannot be identified as a living organism. And then viruses are all pathogenic. So with organisms within the prokaryote, protoctis and fungi kingdom, not all of those organisms are pathogenic, only some. But with viruses, all are pathogenic. Okay, well, we've come to the end of our final segment. And now it's time to go to our final pit stop. Now it's time for the end of episode summary questions. Get a notepad, book or phone so that you can write down your answers. Here comes the first question. What characteristics do all living organisms carry out? I repeat, what characteristics do all living organisms carry out? Question number two. Why are viruses not considered living organisms? Why are viruses not considered living organisms? And then finally, question number three. What is a pathogen? And give four different examples. What is a pathogen? And give four different examples. Okay, well, pause the podcast so that you can give yourself enough time to write down those answers. And the answers will be coming to you in three, two, and one. Answer time! Okay, so the first question was, what characteristics do all organisms carry out? If you wrote down Mrs. C. Nurg, that is not good enough. You actually have to tell me what each of those letters stand for. So the correct answer was movement, respiration, sensitivity, control, nutrition, excretion, reproduction and growth. Question number two. Why are viruses not considered living organisms? If you put viruses do not move, they do not respire They can only reproduce when in a host cell. And then you stated that there are structural differences. For example, they don't have a cell membrane. They don't have a nucleus. That is correct. Then question number three was, what is a pathogen? And give four different examples. If you said a pathogen is a microorganism, that can cause a disease. And four different examples you could have put was E. coli, which is a prokaryote, plasmodium, which is a protoctis, HIV, which is a virus, and candidiasis, which is a fungi, that would be excellent. Okay, well, sit tight as we move on to the final segment. 
So there you have it, classification and the variety of life in a nutshell. Remember, these episodes are here for your listening pleasure. So once again, take full advantage of them. Listen to them when you're in the car. Listen to them while you're walking your dog. Listen to them while you are in the gym. So join me again for the next episode where I will be reviewing the topic of enzymes. Why? Because Sese says so.